0: to be Saturday. What day is it today? Wednesday. Exactly. Ah, well, oh, oh, oh. Well, welcome to Film Fight Club. I'm Glenn Falcons, member of Falcon Screen, and we are joined by freelance writer and critic Virat Nehru. Hello, hello. And Sydney filmmaker Chris Evans. <laughs> Now, we may sound a little different this week, and there's a reason for this, Is we are in a swanky new studio where we can actually stand up and look at each other around a table, and it means we can fight a lot more vociferously. I could literally just walk over and eat and like, no, Chris, no, i get into an I actual fight if we could literally just want to. walk
1: over and punch each other in the face.
0: It could get to this, because this is one of our most disputed films,
2: maybe? It sounds like it might be. Putting, putting the fight in Film Fight Club back again. Thank
0: you, guys. Yeah,
1: and for a could-not-be-more-appropriate film, John Wick, The Part 3rd.
0: Parabellum, which which means Latin for war, prepare for war. I was Uh, watching, you know, what was on TV last night? Forgive me, The Punisher, and they refer to (laughs) parabellum and they explain what it is. This has been in a lot of movies, yeah, um, Latin, and they talk about etymology too in this about the meaning of assassins. There's a lot of um, analogies with Dan Brown, very worrying, very, very Greek,
2: very Latin, very, yeah, sheesh oriented, which is where assassins come from.
0: So we will be talking about John Week 3. We'll also be talking either later in the program or on the podcast about Detective Pikachu and the... Fifth episode of season eight of Game of Thrones. The only the, thing you're all watching this week. The Bells. When we do talk about Game of Thrones, it will be a spoiler discussion. And this will be one of our last non-Sydney Film Festival related episodes for a little while. Well, I think we're doing another next week. But then after that, it's going to be full Sydney Film Festival coverage. The program has dropped. Some things are already selling out. So grab your tickets and see us there. Just come find FilmFutClub. Yeah, we'll never be far stuff.
1: away. We try to spend as much time as we possibly can at the event that has the only not bad films of the year.
2: I mean, it's true. I mean, we, we wouldn't
1: be a thing without Sydney Film Festival. That's true, so, yeah. That's true. You know, I met Glenn in a corner, as
2: I've always been saying. <laughs> Our
1: discussions at Sydney Film Festival were really the genesis of yeah. Film Fight Club.
2: We thought we actually can stand each other, which is, you know, not three dudes, who can't say that for yeah. too often, for too many things.
0: This is the last time we're going to be friendly this entire episode, we promise. Okay. Bring, bring on the fight. Bring on the fight. The f- third chapter in the John Wick saga will be in cinemas come tomorrow. It is starring Keanu Reeves, which is uh, this is the best call I've seen in the film so far. The film critic, Harris Dang, pointed out is just uh, Knives. Knives is short for Keanu Reeves, which makes <laughs> sense in the context of this film. And there has a lot of actors returning, Lawrence Fishburne, Ian McShane, from number two, and you have a lot of new performers, Angelica Houston, Mark Reddick returning, excuse me, Syed Tagmahui, and Jerome Flynn from Game of Thrones, who people might know as Bron, Jason Manzukas, and two stars from the Raid series, Yayan Rukhana, who's Mad Dog, and Tsep Arif Rahman, who was in The Raid 2. This picks up straight from the second John Wick film. He has to run and escape
1: um, seemingly everyone in New York who is, an assassin. Which is everyone in this universe's version of New York. I was thinking, you know how Westworld is like, oh, we're in a simulation of, uh, you know, like the Wild West. I was hoping for John Wick to wake up and realize he was like in a, in like assassin world where everyone's an assassin because like everyone is an assassin. Like what is, what are the politics of this world like for there to be this many contract killers running around who are this proficient. I wonder what, like, everyday electoral processes are like (laughs) in a world where this many people are being employed to kill each other. Who are they killing if everyone's
0: an assassin? Seriously. Yeah,
2: exactly. But honestly, they're not that efficient because they can't kill John Wick.
1: How efficient are are they? They seem to be very efficient. It's just that John Wick is...
2: No, actually, I don't think so. Like, actually, one of the good things about this film that I liked was how... Like John, like John wasn't like a super. He was in some sense. Oh. Yes, he was. A he was. He was, he a, super was a superhero, but, but like he didn't feel like you know he does get stabbed, shot quite a bit,
1: and, like, and
0: you know, to no effect. Yeah, yeah. as I, I think as lost, like his pH level just like or his HP level just shot up. Shot, um, he regenerates up, yeah. after every scene. The,
1: the, the way that the <laughs> last movie ended was like, oh, how's John Wick going to get out of this? Because he was Wick shot through in the chest. Yeah, he's been injured. You know the and now everyone's against him. I was just thinking, all right, well I guess John Wick's dead. But in part three, he's right back up to better than we've ever seen him in terms of his killing ability. Okay.
0: I have a view on this film, and it's an unusual thing in that while Earth and what we know as Earth in New York is the backdrop, it is not the setting. This is very important. There is a verisimilitude virisimil- of what Earth is. And... In this universe, where they make in this one much more powerful references to the inferno, heaven, hell, these these creatures um, and deities. John Wick is this, not just Herculean, but Hercules type figure, where he is much stronger than many others. Having said that, at least in all the Hercules adaptations, Hercules had a, we know how strong he is, but this is going into Marvel territory if anything can happen.
1: Yeah, this is definitely Marvel level in a lot of ways. Um, It's a Marvelized version of John Wick, in my opinion. It's interesting you mention Hercules, because I wrote in my notes that this is like a Homeric song about this legendary hero and how great he was at snapping off people's limbs and crushing heads and shit like that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, this is what it is, and and it's so obvious in this one. They refer to souls. They refer to the boat, the the, the 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 rowboat as passage. But all of these references are just pretension because John Wick, at its core, were you know the first installment was about a guy who was really angry because they killed his dog. The second one gave him um, more motivations of I just want to stay alive as the odds are turning against me. In the third one, it's sort of like, what is the point and why does the killing have to go on and on and on and on ad nauseum? And they come up with an excuse to justify all the mayhem midway through the movie, which rings completely hollow because the character development in this film or any real human stakes or drama or any real human touches is pretty much nil. So to try and uh, scale this back down to vulnerable human motivation rings completely false to me, and so do all of these literary references. It's like, don't pretend that this is any smarter than it is. It is a template for CGI-assisted action scenes where John Wick destroys people's bodies and the camera fawns over it.
0: But I think it's trying to be obvious about that point, and to the effect that in one of the opening sequences, one of the two best sequences of the film, he kills someone with a copy of Dante's Inferno. It's a way of saying, yes, we know we're trying to be high-minded, but really we are just an action film. And that is what is redeeming about this film, the action sequences.
2: I disagree. I don't think the film is trying to be high-minded at all. And I think I quite like that about this movie. It's quite kitsch. It's quite a good B-movie. And it's so much fun. I mean, just from the way it's shot, and it's a different colour palette to... The first Sean Wick movie, which is quite dark and uh, sort of, you know, quite gritty. This quite is very real. neon, very fake This is very, neon, very, very thin City-like, if you can say that. Because right from the first shot in the rain sequences, you can see this has more got a comic book feel to it. And you can see like you're going into Frank Miller territory with that kind of, you know. The- uh,
1: I'll tell you what the, the opening of this made me think. This is a car ad or like an Xbox 360 game like the opening sequence is like press A to start John Wick but but oh, but most, you know, most most of this it, whole thing is just most, so m-
2: most yeah. of it does feel like a role player kind of you know shoot shoot them kind of it is thing. so much like yeah. a video but, game.
1: But
0: it's not just it's explicitly so cuz you level up you meet new bosses you move to other yeah. locations environments um the film that did this really well was a film that was heavily riffed off not just in the style of action but the casting the raid series um yeah. the first raid felt like a a, a game movie and it worked All right. a lot, for a lot of reasons, um, largely due to the character. This doesn't work as well, again, due, because we simply don't get to know the people, the antagonists, for lack of a better term. We, he is fighting in this. They're not, they're not characters. They're just bodies who are flung at him. And it's not as endearing as either of the Raid films for that reason.
1: Okay. Regarding the comparisons to video games and the Raid 2, or the Raid in general, I um, Okay, the John Wick has always felt kind of like a video game. I remember when I watched the first one, I thought that there was something Call of Duty like about some of the setups, and the, you know the big focus on cover and switching out of cover to shoot and such, and like the 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 proficiency this guy has with a gun. It's definitely more inspired by um, kill shot videos on Twitch than it is by <laughs> kill shot videos. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> sadly, it's a real yeah thing. Than it is by the history of shoot 'em up action cinema. Like, there's definitely john Woo inspiration and the gunfu stuff going on here and of course the matrix and various other touchstones you could point to but what john Wick is really all about is like inhuman like video pro video gamer essentially it's about a guy who runs around popping off headshots um but this series has pushed the the video game influence more and more until it reached a point where i felt like there was a lack of humanity in this film um I'll give some examples. There's a scene where John Wick uses horses in order as a weapon to kill his enemies. But the way that that was incorporated into the scene was so blatantly cartoonish and unrealistic. It felt like John Wick is using like a power up on the map as opposed to the way a real life horse would act. It was was a very video game inspired, like lack of... He speaks about consequences in this movie, but... Within the makeup of a scene, nothing has a consequence unless it aids John Wick in killing oh, things.
2: Oh, the dialogue is pretty bad. I, I agree. The dialogue like, is di- very bad. Dialogue
1: feels like a video game kind of dialogue and, would be. And actually.
2: more
0: to that point, the scene and that, that all the whole scenes were strange. But the most frustrating bit, and it's recurring throughout the film, was initially Grand Central Station, then another scene with mirrors where characters are now able to simply disappear. I appreciate people can be ninjas was, and jump between places, but if you're just able to literally vanish, man, there was a, no. It was we're a, not. we not, not. It's another metaphysical plane. It was with a dealing
1: to frickin' uh, entrapment with Sean Connery and Catherine oh, Zeta-Jones. With the train at the
0: end, yeah. yeah. So, but, but, and but And now but you but see actually, me. There are those yeah, other other exactly. terrible films. But
2: actually, but actually uh, going back to some of the other uh, sort of action sequences that we've mentioned, I actually like the inventiveness of some of the action scenes. It, they were quite different how they're done. One with the book in the beginning was interesting. We've already mentioned that. The bike ride was interesting as well with the closed bridge sequence. It was sort uh, of Keanu Reeves, for all his credit, he's doing a pretty basic role, but he's somehow able to infuse more believability in the way he's doing action, even though it's quite repetitive throughout the movie.
1: Keanu Reeves is totally believable in terms of the physicality. Yeah, um, for some reason,
2: because... He's not doing At, a buff yeah, action scenes. As
1: is the director who is standing in as the main stuntman in this film. And let's remember, this chance was
0: Keanu Reeves' stuntman mm. for years and years and years. Um, he is, going he, he is to, serving yeah. as Reeves' stuntman in John Wick 3. That's amazing. While directing uh, the film. It's an amazing relationship between yeah. these two performers who, yeah. are, for, who started it, maybe The Matrix, maybe before that, and have that kinetic ability right, to, to switch up and move between each other. Yep. And it doesn't seem like, oh, suddenly we're dealing with another person. incredibly
1: well shot. And I never want to disparage the action scenes on that kind of technical level. But I disagree with what Virat was saying about how they're full of inventiveness. I think at first they were. I was, you know, um, at first the extreme bloodshed gives you a little bit of a thrill. You know, the base part of you is catered to. That's how I found it early on. Like, oh, geez, did he just do that? But all right, you know, it's John Wick. Bring on the mayhem. But... I felt in comparison to some of the creative fights we saw in John Wick 2, like the mirror battle or the best of all, the train station knife throwing stealth fight between Common and John Wick. Yeah. In this, we're basically seeing the same thing over and over again in terms of choreography. A lot of close combat, shooting people in the head from from right up, a lot of chops to the groin, um, a lot of sort of Mai Tai knee kicks. Where it was really inventive was in the way that people's bodies fly apart. And this takes me back to my video game comparison. Um, in video game criticism, a lot of people bring up the example of games like Uncharted, where the character is presented in the story cutscenes as as relatable or in some way human protagonist. But in the gameplay, you kill thousands and thousands and thousands of faceless henchmen. And it's hard to rectify the kind of psychopathy being shown in the gameplay with the cinematic presentation as this is a relatable or human person. And this in its uh, pursuit of more and more and more and upping the scale of the action scenes is the the problem that John Wick has fa- fixed itself into. I can't care about John Wick's internal pain or whatever it is that comes up, you know, to justify all of this in the middle of the movie because all I see in John Wick now is a raging psychopath who kills thousands and thousands and thousands of people and the movie revels in the way he does it and no movie has ever felt like more like a video game than this in the sheer volume of bodies dropped and the way that it the, the movie is celebrating the way that the protagonist does it.
0: Okay, you've raised two points here I want to address. One is the matter of whether we care about John Wick at all. This I did in the past. And and, and I think this leads to my biggest issue with the film, that there is no plot until about the 50th minute when it's hastily introduced and resolved in about 20 minutes. The first 50 minutes, which is basically a prelude of action where we can coast along for a while on the character we've got to know for a long time. And after that, when we need to introduce, okay, we have a feature length film here, not a short. Nothing happens, which... Most additionally endear us to a character or any of the characters that we should have gotten to, that we should have gone into know a lot better, of course, the three films over five years. On the matter of the action I think in the first film, there was a, reper- a recurring move where you'd throw someone over your shoulder, hold them down, and shoot them. In the second one, there was a bit where he'd swing someone around and do the s- a similar move. In this one, those moves are done multiple times. I think the first three main action sequences were very inventive. I'm referring to the fight in the weapons room, I'm referring to the fight in the library. And, um, actually, well, not the first three, the third one uh, is the, I think, still the best scene in the film, where it's the only one where you show a real, uh, real creativity and that's when you have a few of the actors who are very well known as martial artists who clearly had a strong influence on this. Aside from that um, the sequences are much like the catacomb sequence in the second John Wick film where it's very straightforward and we're seeing recurring moves over and over again and yes it's amazing it's so that Keanu Reeves can do it, it but when it's so repetitive yes. it, it, you, you become numb to it very quickly and that happens about 30-40 minutes into the film.
2: I wanted to talk about some of the actual thematic things that the film is trying to talk about. I don't think it does it successfully, but it's still it's interesting to talk about that the film is trying to go for some kind of philosophical or psychological take on this universe, even though it's clearly not interested in it. I mean, one of those is about, you know, order and chaos. John Wick is supposedly an agent of chaos. He's somehow, you know, undermining order from the high table in this kind of orderly universe that's of assassins that's been created and John Wick is an outlier of this, you know, orderly universe, which is interesting to think about and I wish they would develop that angle a lot more. No,
1: I'll tell you what it really is. Okay. John Wick is Neo, again, from The Matrix, um, saying, I hate you to authority and I'm going to kill God. Uh, That's all it is. This film is about God. It
2: it is is in that sense. But uh, the other part, which I I also want to talk about, is... About they want to talk about the emotional angle of it. I mean, John Wick keeps talking about consequences and how he wants to live, basically, to honor the memory of his dead wife. And this is a big, big recurring theme throughout the series you know the first second and third film He's doing and also gr- great
1: job honoring her by you know, yeah. splitting that guy's head in <laughs> two with a sure book she she, she really i'm, I'm is, sure she helen would smiling be smiling down helen on him would right be now. really yeah. great, really and, and, great and, and it
0: confuses ideas of life and death like it, it riffs off the inferno to such degree but then confuses itself but,
2: but i think what's the most interesting part about john wick is that it created this kind of parallel universe of assassins which live by a certain code, where you're bound by blood, where you can exchange these gold coins for certain services. There's no internet. Which, well, which there's is, an
0: internet, just no one uses it. Yeah,
2: because yeah. Know, but they, they no, people do use That's why Lawrence Fitchman uses pigeons, right?
0: Because he hates the internet. Yeah, there, there is internet. It's been established. <laughs> so there's no one cares about it. <laughs> but, I, I quite, actually quite like that touch. I,
2: I know, but it's it's such an interesting thing where I think – That, I think, is... That's why I don't see that much of an issue with it because I think it's quite clearly established this is a parallel universe where different rules already exist and that's been built upon quite extensively in the first two films. For example, the whole continental scene where as soon as you just touch you know, some any part of that building, you you know, nobody can then kill you, which is interesting and how that's played upon in this film again and riffed off quite some funny sequences. And, you know, it's like, okay, cool, I can touch the stairs of this place and now I'm I'm safe, which is But it funny. breaks its own rules oh, yeah, totally.
0: in that sequence and that it does, really, it it's, a, it's a little bit of a stretch. You can't just rely on Ian McShane being charismatic and guard in everything he does now. Not, look, not, not that he's playing the guard-like figure yeah. um, explicitly. In this.
1: None of the characters, I think, had any real consistency If you look at this as a three-film arc, um, I don't think any of those character dynamics and relationships really pay off. But more and more, the movie wants us to care about them. Um, When we we brought up Marvel earlier in terms of how John Wick seems to be becoming more and more like a Superman, um, another way that it's becoming Marvel-like is the soap opera-ish feel, where none of these characters have ever been really developed now, but all of a sudden John Wick has to become a franchise, so let's cut over to John Wick's associate over here, who I don't care about, and let's see how his life's going, and let's see how the plot gradually moves along with this person who only existed to justify plot setups where... Keanu Reeves kills a bunch of people, but now we're expected to care about them even though the film hasn't done the work to make us care because that's how franchises work and that's the way that stories continue into perpetuity like soap operas and this is the way that Marvel's killing cinema. Okay, let's, let's talk about Halle
0: Berry in this whole sequence. Oh, God, yes. Okay, Halle Berry. Because that's something we can all agree on.
1: I all think. right, what
0: happened... Before we've criticised the action in this film and the plot... Um, The action sequences were nonetheless relatively plot-driven, cause-to-effect, with the exception of the one involving Halle Berry, which made absolutely no sense, and it was there for an interlude of, oh, we need some mayhem, and for some reason, Jerome Flynn doing a Vito Corleone accent, I think. Why not just actually cast Italians and Russians and Belarusians? On a side note... Why is it always Belarus who gets like the? Well, no one really knows where this country is. Obviously, yeah. just look at a map. Yeah. It's 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 right there, and we're just gonna. This can be the nondescript place. Yeah. We're just gonna and, and throw in know, there's and quite a lot mysterious. of
2: Oriental stereotypes in, in in that one as well about how people dress in this kind of very modern
0: universe still. But on,
2: but yeah, 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 which is also quite. I was like, what? But, like about back in Lawrence of Arabia land, it felt quite jarring.
0: On the matter of Halle Berry, we go to another location, and yeah. New York has been throughout these films and is interesting as... I don't think it's a parallel universe, but to take the parallel universe example, the idea that because people are so busy and engaged that this can exist just beneath the surface, it doesn't work quite as well in any in other John setting. Wick it two, doesn't work made in it, a new setting. In
1: John Wick 2, they made it work. In John Wick 3, it becomes ridiculous. Like, why are people not noticing this level of carnage and just going along with it? How much of a parallel universe is it, really? You know, like well, how... Again, I don't think it's a parallel universe. I think it's a universe unto itself. But...
0: I think it, the analogy works in New York because of what New York is, and they say that explicitly in the film. But they push you can't it to far. translate that to the other location. They push it way Italy too worked. Far. I, I agree, it did work, but that's because they had again a lot of the uh, neoclassical um, uh, Italian, Roman, and, really I think Greek symbolism okay. running through that.
2: This felt like a really bad first draft of a Dan
0: Brown movie. Dan Brown, oh the, the, Okay, so in Angels and Demons, there's yeah, actually a whole know, debate know, about assassins and what they mean. I know, mean. I know,
2: I know. Exactly. That's why I brought it up. Because oh. it felt like that's kind of, you know, symbolism. Like, is there, what is the real meaning behind the Mona Lisa smile? You know, I was half thinking that it might come up or something.
0: Okay, so, so in Inferno, uh, the Dan Brown book, there's a really annoying scene where Robert Langdon and his associate um, decipher a Dante puzzle by using an anagram. Yeah. It's really, really painful to, to read and, to, and then again to watch. This is not quite as bad as that. But, yeah, that's the sort of way they treat Dante. And yeah. we're going to take the very barest bones of what people are familiar with with Dante and throw All it at you. The... And we're going to seem profound.
1: You're already giving more thought to any of the literary references than I guarantee you any writers or directors of this film. But But, I, but I think that's it, part
2: of the fun of this movie is that nobody really cared about the plot.
1: No, but the movie, I think, is moving you in a direction of you care about the plot. You care no. about these characters. I, like I, That's I, why I, it cuts I, to like updates on this. The momentum of the movie is screwed for it to give you updates on but, how all but, these side but characters but As going. was the
0: end of number two when we dropped to his house again for no reason. Yeah, but it's
1: I, it's the, the, the sense of in order to create a continuing narrative like TV, you have to create all these different strands and slowly edge them along. Everything, it's like in, we've, I've heard a recent interesting point, I think it was Matt Zollisides who said it, but it could have been someone else, that over the years, we've lost soap operas, but in our pursuit of serialized entertainment, everything's gotten a bit more soap opera-like. You know, and that like, let's see how this person's going, and then cut back to the main narrative, and how's this one going? Even though it really doesn't matter, they haven't really been developed. It's not real character development. It's just the sense of edging things along until the next one, and there'll be John Wick movies in perpetuity, we so that, where we, we can keep doing this. We didn't need to have Lawrence Fishburne in this movie.
0: Uh, we could, no. I, I, the we, one, we one character didn't they did Berry either, actually, to be honest, the, the, none of the side character, characters essentially matter except Mark Reddick, the concierge. They developed him, and that was really fun to watch. And it was another level of just, okay, here's this faceless concierge for the first two films, and now we actually get to learn a little bit more about his character. Um, the fact that this hotel had more personality. Um, also, the dungeon fires, what was that? But we learned that it's not just this faceless parallel universe that everyone who's involved in it um, influences by virtue of who they are and their pre And certainly Ian McShane played a role there, and that I quite liked. But I, I do agree that I think we're giving this film – the thematic aspects of the, the Manic film too much too much thought, but the, uh, honestly, this is an action film. It's avowedly an action film. The action sequences, for the most part, that, are, and yes, the glass one was riffed off from the second one. are am yeah. going to watch. And sorry, the fellow from the Iron Chef, what's his name? Um... Uh, Mark uh, Yeah. he he was hilarious. He was, he hilarious. was a fanboy yeah, yeah. going after John Wick and saying, "Oh, um, love your work, but um, coming for you." What but, a great but, dynamic! It was the Batman Joker. It was Cable Deadpool. I, no, I, I, don't, I,
2: don't think, I don't think so because for the for the first half of the movie, they established him as a clearly, you know, as someone who wouldn't behave like that, and he's suddenly like. Flips. I agree. You he know, suddenly
1: flips it, for the it, sake of a quip. Again, yeah. marvelization, comedy that doesn't come from characters, but because here's the point where the focus audience would like there to be a, a quip. But, but, which is why I think, I think, one third
2: of the movie in, in the movie, I just gave up on the plot because I'm like, clearly, this movie is not about plot which meant I could enjoy more of the actual inventiveness in how it's shot, which actually... It's shot fair, very well, it's very really, clean. For, for an action film, which uses a lot of CGI action, a lot of choreography, the choreography is also very clean and it's not as, you know, cut heavy as a lot of choreography. Choreography, yeah,
1: no, it's it's incredibly well shot. Um, so it's in, in that sense, I would have to give credit to that. Long them. takes, interesting to watch the people move around the frame. But as we've said earlier, it become it's repetitive, so I can't enjoy this, as you were saying before... Um, unabashedly an action film for me um, a bit problem with the action scenes you said before that they make you numb I would add that with the focus on squelchy sound design and bones snapping and bodies being horribly mauled uh, that yeah. it comes to feel kind of desensitizing for me this was an ugly experience because it's a, a celebration of bodies being destroyed where th- I would say a lot of what I thought was funny about John Wick 2 has gone away um, I did it didn't feel kind of playful anymore as opposed to just inevitable and um it's set against these really really slick car ad slash video game kind of backdrops for me the whole thing was just kind of this soul deadening experience like paying money to see this completely empty spectacle of death um it didn't feel fun anymore it didn't r- remind me of Jackie Chan or Buster Keaton like John Wick 2 did. Oh, no, did. They
0: pushed the Buster Keaton aesthetic at the very beginning for the second time with the, the oh, general yeah. sequence. Yeah, yes. but
1: this time around it doesn't resemble that because it didn't have that kind of playful goofiness to it anymore. Um, maybe because even the, John the gore Wick, went, just went a step too far for me. And
2: even John Wick himself becomes kind of a, just a deadpan character. Yeah, he's than boring, actually, right? Yeah, but in the first two films he could actually you know, crack a joke and have yeah. a smirk. With Common, for example, in John Wick 2, there's some genuinely funny exchanges that they have. That's right. I but didn't find anything joke, in this as in, this one, no, in, in
1: John Wick 1 didn't quite have the level of physical comedy that, you know, it hadn't gone in that direction yet uh, and it hadn't started turning this universe ridiculous to quite the same extent. It was more like an 80s, you know, lone hero action movie throwback. But the first John Wick had the sense that he was up against impossible odds. This time around, he's essentially just Superman. He wins every fight, no matter what injuries he's gone to. When he starts to lose, it's not because you can see that the odds have turned against him. It's because he just suddenly starts missing shots that he always would have caught earlier, um, and it feels like well, the people way decide in...
0: not to stab him when they could yeah, and very easily him. Yeah. But it feels like of... in, yeah.
1: in Marvel movies where you have no idea how um, the hero's going when they fight against the big CGI villain. at again, they just keep smashing each other until suddenly something does something that makes the hero get weakened or the villain get weakened. It's like that. John Weeks a Superman until suddenly he gets hit a few times when he never could be until that moment. All right, the issue to that effect,
0: I think, is more intrinsic than that. And it goes to the major issue of the plot. Um, This is not dissimilar to the first John Wick film in that there's an ever-increasing, escalating sets of action sequences. However, in the first one, the plot was very much gone from the perspective of the antagonists because suddenly they keep underestimating john and we as they do learn more and more about this enigma that's not present here because everyone knows exactly who john wick is right there's no level of oh wait we need to reckon with this and then this and then this and they know they just keep missing and failing and there's no no reckoning with him there's no level that he's only human anymore but
2: but at at the same time i think it's more complicated than that i think it's more about people have realized that he is an enigma Hmm. and i think they're of chances to kill him off but the people deliberately don't do so especially in the raid sequences where the students themselves uh, I, I, they're, they're honoured to fight against John Wick right so it's almost like you can't kill someone who's a legend yeah. uh, he's practically a demigod and you're not supposed to kill him he is him. a demigod did you guys notice that he they've is.
1: definitely transitioned the focus away from shootouts towards close quarters combat to justify how John Wick can never survive anything because if this was a shootout movie where the whole U- New York was up against him you'd be like Which someone should have the landed second so the yeah. person
0: in the subway tunnel yeah, with yeah, the violin yeah. shot him yeah. why doesn't someone get a sniper no rifle one, like in the first exactly. film and just there's no William the, Defoe the, anymore the Around, yeah
1: the way around that is to try and distract you from it by switching the focus as if john wick was always about up close and personal martial arts one-on-one battles it doesn't make any sense yeah. um, also i missed the dog i think they've oh, wasted yeah. the dog he was probably the dogs. best part of the series there was the substitute the
2: angry ones they needed more dogs oh, so did
0: anyone notice uh, without the s- spoilers the similarities with the concluding chapter of the Bourne trilogy yeah i'm um, set in new york and oh, um, yeah. one particular set piece really, I I don't know if it was purposeful, I don't know why they'd riff on that and reference it, but very strange, um, given...
2: A lot of Paul Greengrass references, though, you know, book versus pen. What
0: really, it reminded me of... Oh, the belt, actually the belt, that was great, and it was well set up. That, I'm not going to criticize that the one The shot was good.
1: Yeah. What it really reminded me of is the Raid 2 um, and in negative ways. Stepping up the choreography and the scale of it, but um, focusing on cruelty and showing the protagonist indulging in it and the, the camera lovingly... To, uh, absorbing that, which makes you wonder if he's really a hero or a villain. The Raid 2 really complicated my enjoyment of the Raid 1 in that way, um, and not intentionally. It just made the film seem cruel. And on top of that, like the Raid 2, it suddenly takes what was just a dumb B movie setup very seriously with all these literary references and portentousness, and suddenly this is the Godfather, and I don't think any of it works. So, that
0: was our review of John Wick 3. It'll be in cinemas tomorrow. We'll be continuing on the podcast talking all things Detective Pikachu and the Bells, the latest episode of Game of Thrones from this week. Um, and we'll be back in coming weeks talking all things Sydney Film Festival. Stay tuned for the Sonic Assassin. Also, tune in Saturday nights to Keeping Score, the new film score program on 2SCR. And yeah, listen to The and a couple of those. Those were quite fun. This has been Glenn Falcons, Langris, Evans, and Viratine Rue. Uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Have a wonderful night. Enjoy movies. Good night. Bye. Bye from Baba Yaga. Baba Yaga. And we're back on the Film Fight Club podcast. Um,
1: Yeah, John Week 3. Man, I hated that. It was just like all of the trends I don't like in current culture being... Exemplified in the third part of the what I thought was the last good movie franchise. This is like the Fast and the Furious. This is like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh my gosh. This is like no, car actually, ads and video games, but like the all the one but like not the good video games, the ones you don't like. Speaking of video games you like,
0: um I mean <laughs> Yeah, great transition. I mean are we, are we done with John Wayne Three? Do you want to talk about no, 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 uh actually the you,
2: one thing that I was thinking about in my head while you mentioned that, Chris, when yeah. I was watching the movie is that Thank God this is not the Fast and the Furious franchise because it's very different from that. It's not honest. so
1: different. It's become. Can we no, can we drop it's... some spoilers for John Wick now? Okay, You're uh, all right. The uh, yes, we are going to go into spoiler territory. I've got to discuss this ending. for
0: John Wick three <laughs> from now. Uh, we'll be discussing P- Stick Pikachu in a little while. Non spoiler discussion, Chris. will be non spoilers for Indians. It's Pikachu, and then. Uh, later, we're going to be doing a full-on Game of Thrones spoiler discussion. The Spoilers for Game of Thrones, uh, the latest episode, The Bells, Season six, 8, Episode 5, and John Wick 3 from now.
1: So, oh God, where even were we? Okay just, just on, just <laughs> okay. On, okay,
0: just on uh, The Bourne, while we're talking about The Bourne Trilogy, okay, it's in New York. He falls 10 stories from a building, oh, survives. Yeah. It's absurd. But, no, it's just, you, you don't need to the thing about that. the way that Lawrence John Wick survives th- at the
1: end
2: lawrence fishman survives seven cuts to his body so i guess john wick no
0: there's no before. reason he could okay there's no reason he could not have survived that with a serious injury
1: the thing he seems pretty okay at Come the end. Of this. yeah yeah the actually. thing about the thing about john wick's fate at the end is that what they showed wick's body doing on the way down is the kind of shot that they use at the end of old action movies to show that the villain is really really dead you know, as he's falling, you have to shoot like when someone falls off the cliff and you have to get show them getting smacked by every tree on the way down. That's what happens to John Wick at the end and he survives. Yeah, the series is now a super comic book. Yeah, like it was always comic much. book influence, yeah. but now it is nothing else. And it's
0: Fast and the Furious, let's make the distinction, made the tradition really well with five. It drew a line under this, but under with one, two, three, and four, but. This is just full-on other territory. I th- I, They've abandoned uh, yeah, that, the that You can't watch three and then really go back and watch one.
1: I compare it to Fast and the Furious for a few reasons. Okay, Wha- I've got to fight after this. Make your point, Chris. Okay. A few <laughs> reasons. Now. One, fast and the furious never really developed any characters but it suddenly started acting like you care about them and we're a family and i can see john wick going in the same direction and that all of these guys who are just kind of cool assassin window dressing types suddenly the movie's acting oh, like we have some level of care for them i don't want it to be a mission impossible six situation where it's save the di- so ethan leave me
0: and it, it could well, turn into that It could turn into that, that he did save
2: case. Kashmir. The other
0: reason... <laughs> he saved the whole world. The basin would have exploded and decimated a whole parts of India and China. The
1: other thing is, we all thought John Wick 3 was... <laughs> going into John Wick 3, I thought this is as big as the scale could possibly get from the way that they increased it at the end of John Wick 2. But then I um, you get the sense that they, they want... This is going to fill the hole in the in the schedule where the Fast and the Furious movies went to be. This ends in a way that suggests is, is Keanu going to keep doing this? This seriously, seriously seems like it j- could just keep going on to John Wick four, John Wick Part five, John Wick Part six. Like this could just keep going. It feels uh, like uh, it's uh, been okay. designed. To keep I don't going think with it with will. Universe expansion. I don't
0: think it will for the reason that you look at Reeves's physicality in the first one versus this one, the diversity of moves and what he's able to achieve uh, without the help, without the use, and deployment. Of a stunt person is is, is is is
1: noticeably greater in the first film than the third film. I don't know. We've got all the CG though. Everyone wants a cinematic universe. Everyone wants everyone wants a story that continues in perpetuity. And I think John Wick is becoming that. Um, okay. It's also. I just also found this universe so goddamn dumb. All the set, the the desert and the, you know, the, the scene where the ballet rehearsal gets interrupted by these assassins who walk out against the blue backdrops and pose like, back streets, back, all right. Oh, Like, it's so goddamn stupid. Uh, uh, so on the
0: desert, that was just Spectre. They went to Morocco and went into the desert and then found but God. The
1: slickness <laughs> of the imagery and the way that it all feels like an ad is so Fast and the Furious. Like, even even the way that, like, um, this was in John Wick 2, but maybe there were just a few less shots, so it, it didn't quite <laughs> n- trigger me as much. In, it's, like, it, it's almost got the Fast and the Furious cheesecake factor. Like, you know when um, it, it cuts to the concierge reception, and it seems like you have to be a suicide, a suicide girl with, like, butt must be this big to work for our reception, where the camera is constantly in low angle following around these... Yeah. Yeah, the real in the John Wick or three. Or three. Yeah. It was kind of it was. Did you guys not notice that? Maybe I'm just the uh, pervert, but uh, I was
0: like, this is really I weird. Did, I, I, see, I, I thought you were referring to Transformers three. Um, That's the
1: thing; it's so I, Michael Bay esque. It's I, I, not I, I, quite I, on the level of Fast and the Furious or Michael Bay because it doesn't have people actually in their underwear. But the girls who work at this reception all have this very specific physical type, like all of them do, and they're always filmed mm-hmm. walking around in like from the, a low angle wait, as they're you mean approaching you, the phones. You,
2: Oh Okay, you mean the and. When they call, when they call in up, for like the this one, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, They all have this look except have this for the yeah, except and the guy with the nose have, ring.
1: Except, I was going to say, except for the, for the guy yeah. with the nose ring and the lip piercing. But but isn't is isn't else... that a
2: type of? People feel that if you're an assassin, you're basically, you all have tats and you have like
1: those hipster haircuts. But it was so like, it's not kind of like, like these are grungy people. It was yeah. like, these are like the, su- you know, you remember Suicide Girls, which is the kind of brand name that we would never have today. Yeah. Like, or, or,
2: you, or you know, <laughs> um, or you know, the, like a
1: very specific type of like else Sexy Girl. Yeah, or you know, like those per- perfume,
2: yeah. perfume ads for like dysentery or like yeah, diarrhea yeah, yeah. or this like is the, whatever. The
1: kind of like dumb image first thing that reminds me of Fast and Furious.
2: Okay, uh, some point is against that. Uh, I think what is more fun about John Wick, or I think problematic about it in terms of its tone, is that each movie has had a very different tone in it. It's not a consistent franchise. John Wick 1 is so different it's to John totally Wick different, 2. It's totally different, yeah. It's totally different one, to John Wick 3.
1: This one in some ways feels like an expansion of John Wick 2, but it still doesn't even really feel not, like a sequel to actually. John Wick 2. Uh, yeah. it's, and it's got nothing to do with the first one anymore. Yeah, at all. Well, uh, uh, the
0: first one was great because it teased the idea of this world where there are coins and there are all these extra assassins. And if you go into the Continental um you can be all right in this in this universe not be hurt and then the second film expanded a little this i don't know how much this actually contributed to the lore of the universe because with the angelica houston character we learned a little bit more about apparently she's above the system and okay sure john wick was trained in this Belarusian ballet fighting house Fine, but what else? And, and okay, there's other stuff in Casablanca. We would have that was presumable. What did we really learn about this universe? We, we find where they make the coins. It was just um, wheel bronze? spinning.
1: We learned that there's this Arabian, you know, god. Yeah. Yeah. Arabian God. Like John Wayne know, in the middle like, of the yeah. desert guy. Or
2: Peter O'Toole in
1: Lawrence Peter O'Toole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, is Arabian is it, God. Is it, it really to Lawrence desert? I don't think it's comparable to Lawrence of Arabia. No, honestly, going a... back to the video game comparisons, the shots of the big desert plains and, and John Wick in his suit walking up against it, which Prince was very of Persia, saturated. Fans of time. <laughs> yeah, very saturated and digital. But it also reminded me of the game Journey. Do you guys know Journey? Okay. It's like a little a little very iconic design figure running up sand dunes i'm is just the having like des-
2: flashbacks to my year 12 huc with like right. journey and belonging the, 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 area the, the desert <laughs>
0: reminded me i'm sorry this is really harsh the desert reminded me of the mummy returns the scene where the rock goes to through. fight
1: the to meet the monotheistic god in the desert from which he came i mean oh god yeah. <laughs> but and also say, this idea of like human. pledging
2: pledging fealty through this it
1: very rocko? Cruel, it's cruelized. so the matrix when they pulled out that that Guns, lots of guns. It made sense because that it had become the Matrix. Like here, it like it, it actually an agent, was a nice throwback, twenty but, years. But it really I, I was, was, it was just fine. like everyone's an agent. I, you know, fuck you, mum. I don't like your church, and I don't want to get a but, job. But also, what what I find <laughs> like, what, I,
2: what I find most distressing is that John Wick doesn't come to any of the realizations on his own. He needs Winston's character, for example, and they have all this chat. Oh, There's nothing And, what, and then, what
0: you have to kill? Uh, 50 minutes in, you have to kill him. All right, no, I won't. That's it. That's no, 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 the but only like tangible. The, the
2: only reason he doesn't kill him is movie.
0: that you know when they have
2: a conversation, Winston pretty much cajoles him oh, and be like, "No, you
0: know, no, I disagree on this. I don't think he ever planned to kill him. I think he planned to get out of there and then re- seek revenge."
1: I don't think so. I, I, I don't there's think, there's you know. nothing personal to to the stakes of the characters in this.
2: It's and it's it's sad. I mean, to think about it, what the first half of the movie was going for, and now what I would have found interesting was that. Because of John Wick's actions, these other people close to him have to suffer, mm-hmm. including Angelica Houston and Lawrence Fishburne's character. They all have to bear some consequences, and it's only John Wick who keeps escaping it, which is trying to make a larger point about how he's not above the law and he has to somehow, you know, the law of the universe. Oh, so now he's the, they, above they, everything. They break
0: their own rule. They break rules a couple yeah. of times, and I hate this. They didn't break the rules in the first or second one. They've broken twice here. Number one. In McShane being able to say no you're excommunicado but you've still got the protection of this place number two it was very clearly established in the other films that provided you don't break hotel rules you could go after other assassins there was no reason that Lawrence Fishburne should have been attacked simply because he uh, had a transaction with John where he gave him a gun it yeah, doesn't true. matter if was a member of the high table he was a legitimate transaction in the context of this universe it's spiteful and it's hateful to go after them yeah. and it's out of the context of this rules which is very much based on order. And that is, and that earned yeah. me. That,
1: that, yeah, John, that was it, it John Wick, it is, Wait, it hang on. Because the, like,
2: yeah, I don't know what kind of order they were establishing
1: in, to begin with. Yeah, yeah, in the previous ones, wasn't it that you can do business with anyone however, as long yes, as...
0: as long as it's not on the hotel grounds. And he did business and sure, he was going to um uh, to attract the, the Argentino, the member of the high table, but it did, shouldn't have mattered because it was a legitimate transaction, hmm. even if it annoyed the uh,
1: adjudicator and
0: Else.
2: yeah also yeah. like the adjudicator what kind of a dumb name was
1: that That character was like a worse version of sarah paulson in in glass what was the um oh god <laughs> I, wow Actually, <laughs> yeah i can see that or I like i think or, you the good place
2: uh, or or just other dumb characters who try to like feel like they're somehow above people
0: but they're not actually yeah. I found the performance to be very good I didn't really I, I, did, I did appreciate Derek from
2: The Good Place uh, oh no uh, that was
0: so bad he just, I, I can't uh, look at him tick without to- laughing TikTok
2: Mr. Week time is running out no, Mr. No, Week he,
0: that was hilarious that's the only time I genuinely laughed in the vlog. He, he was too blatantly laughing at the camera like smile it's me it's Derek hey I uh, didn't like that too much.
2: I like I like you went Maximum Derek in a film that had nothing to do with
0: Derek. Derek, <laughs> okay. A lot of good place, bad place stuff going on here. All right, so that is... Okay, yeah, Is
2: the John Wick universe a good place or the bad place?
0: It's clearly a bad place. It's clearly the first uh, chapter of the Divine Comedy. Sorry, not the first chapter. It's the first installment of the Divine Comedy. And the second two are trying to be... Um, the others, but not really. They're mixing up the messages a lot.
2: But I do, I do want to make a conclusive point about this. I mean, see from where this franchise has come. I mean, the first movie didn't even get a release in Australia because people didn't think it would do anything. Oh, it center. did.
1: The first one did come. Oh, or is the second one in no, the okay. studios? The yeah, su- the, yeah. It was. It wasn't so limited. It was playing in multiplayer. But, but anyway, like this is but probably was one release. of the most
2: successful. Uh, film franchise in terms of action movies in Australia mm-hmm. if, if anything else so
1: well in uh, in in Australia John Wick 2 was not going to be released because entertainment 1 couldn't find a spot on exactly. the schedule for which <laughs> is
2: hilarious to think about it, it sheer comp- comp- in- oh, com- incompetence but now to think about that that well, now it's, it's gone, gone the from that, the that to allow to now become a replacement, like filler on the action, big budget action schedule. But now and it's it, actually an it's, achievement in it, some sort. It's moved
1: say. up the the ranks. I know. I, like which I said, is what I'm I think this say, is yeah. replacing Fast and Furious on the yeah. schedule now that because I think like a lot of people
2: feel like this is the more intelligent, better choreographed Fast and Furious without the cheesiness of it.
1: It just yeah. feels like it doesn't stand for anything. That's what we, I, really I think it did. did. I don't think it does anymore. And that's what I mean. I definitely think that John the first two John Wick movies, they need to bring back the Something that was interesting, and I feel like that's been lost
2: just bring back the dog kill his dog again that's going to make people Lost in, invest in, in, in things in the
1: pursuit of scale and the need for things to go on forever has just ended up scrapping away what the point of the whole enterprise was and we're back to Marvel so that was John Wick 3 it is in cinemas tomorrow the
0: next film we're talking about which Chris saw we have yet uh, and I yet to see it is Detective Pikachu, uh, notably the other night, in addition to Punisher, they had the Green Lantern on TV. I saw this for the first time the other night. I regret watching it, and I don't think I'll be seeing Detective well, I, oh. I shouldn't judge Detective Pikachu on that basis, but well, yeah, uh, it, Detective Pikachu. B-
2: B- Green Lantern is a very Blake Lively movie, wouldn't you say? She, she was great. She's always great. Yeah, but I was trying to make a Lively pun, but that was bad. I think it
1: was a very bleak... <laughs> bleak Lively? <laughs> bleak, <no>. Okay, um, <laughs> sorry. Bleak for our culture. <laughs> um okay so there isn't that much to say about detective pikachu really (laughs) as you might expect really but i would say this is one of those cases where the trailer is definitely better than the film because the trailer gives you all of the high points of it which are wow they've managed to find a way to realize a world of, of humans and pokemon with cgi pretty well they've managed to retain the cartoonish charm of the character designs of the pokemon while um making them look realistic to the point that they don't jar too much against humans. They've struck that balance. The way that the creatures are animated is great. If any, The biggest charm of watching the full-length film instead of the trailer is looking at all the ways that Pikachu clambers up onto things and moves around, like the way he interacts with his environment. This goes for all the Pokemon, but especially Pikachu is great. The fur looks great. Um, great imagination in that sense. But those sorts of... Um, charming elements you get used to pretty quickly and then you're left with what the actual movie is which is actually just a pretty generic but expensive kids movie the other thing the trailer gives you is the shock of oh it's ryan Reynolds as pikachu and that's all you need because in in the movie it doesn't actually have any really funny quips or lines um just the, the one joke is there in the trailer as the, um, the movie is just kind of half-hearted like it it seems to be going for this campy tone with um overacting from all of the mains, which is a direction I appreciated. I always love a hammy kind of kids movie like Speed Racer or Dick Tracy where people have brought cartoonish worlds to life with a lot of style, but the movie never fully commits to that. It sort of... Some of the actors are going for broke and then it kind of wheels it back to more conventional territory. Visually, it seems to be going for this neon kind of Blade Runner type thing, and then that goes away before too long. Um, It just didn't have... um, any, I guess, real, like, courage to it. It's obvious to say that a Pokemon movie doesn't have substance. Like, what, what were you expecting, Chris?
2: Though it's not high art. No, no, but, like, <laughs> it's, it's interesting that you talk about that. I mean, just for the virtue of the fact that there is a Pokemon movie and then it can find an audience for it, which is not just blatantly doing something like the Boss Baby, which even though I think the Boss Baby actually tried to do some more inventive things and it's not as dumb as people make it out to be. This, but, movie, this movie's okay. And also, it's, like, people comparing it with Sonic and seeing that, you know, this has got more... You know, of the old school film uh, capturing technology to it, and you know it's not as digital as Sonic was going to be. So I'm glad that actually that comes out. The, look, the, the, the animation
1: is like I was saying before, is fantastic. The problem is the film; it's essentially just. Um, it feels really like a throwback. It ends in this very Marvel Cinematic Universe like big um, action throwdown, as these movies have to, and the detective plot uh, ends up falling by the wayside. Um, is he a good detective? That's that's a big question. Like,
2: does he actually have? Not any really. Kind of sli- is he like a Pikachu mixed with Sherlock Holmes kind I of? I wish
1: thing? that I wish that he was. Okay, so I he's not that, as
2: smart as people think. I, he I wish be. that
1: this had actually gone into the detective work, but it, it's it's made it doesn't have any of that thrill to it. The actual, the ultimate solution to the question that they were um, looking for it just gets missing, revealed by magic. Missing? Oh, ah. you know, a wizard. A did wizard. It. Okay, a wizard did it. Um, a what? It, it really feels like it. Well, not really, but
2: is it Mew? Is it Mewtwo? It's Mewtwo? Yes, it's Mewtwo. Oh, of course, it oh, it's always Mewtwo. Oh,
1: God, and it's
0: the first Pokemon movie. Yeah,
1: it's just the first Pokemon movie. A lot Pokemon of this movie. is remakes of scenes from that. Um, it really feels like a throwback movie in a lot of ways. Um, in in ways, even though it's nowhere near as well made, um, I liked it better than something like John Wick Three because. Um, Whoa, there, hot take! coming. Yeah, there was there was like a dumb. Even it is still like John Wick 3 designed to sell you stuff. This is designed to keep the Pokemon world going and John Wick 3 is designed to expand the world. But there, it felt like there was a little bit of at least the attempt to have humanity and morals in this movie.
0: Can I ask, um, I was outside for two minutes, so you may actually have discussed this, but is it true that the guy doesn't give a damn that his dad just disappear- disappeared or? No.
1: Went No, no, no. There's like a whole crying scene about that.
0: Okay, because that's the main criticism I've been seeing. That doesn't seem to register too greatly with him that his father's just gone off the map. Okay. No, 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 so look, they, l- they
1: literally take more... time out for a scene of, of the main character played by Justice Smith and Pikachu being sad, and, and it's not undercut by jokes. Okay, great, okay. so that's that's still okay.
2: more genuine emotion than anything in John Wick 3, I that, guess.
1: That's, Yeah, that's exactly it. It really feels like a family movie from, like, 20 years ago, okay. But other than the outsized Marvel-esque action scene at the end. It um feels strangely not of this time. Fa- fast, yeah. time fast time fast time's at Pikachu High. Okay. And
0: uh, I've heard it has Psyduck and Snorlax. Like I'm sold. That's side is well done. Look um side
2: Jigglypuff? Is I, there a Jigglypuff karaoke number? Because you need that.
1: There's only a brief shot of Jigglypuff doing oh, karaoke. Oh, no. I wish. I just what wish. <laughs> full karaoke I just wish that this they had the conviction to go with the vision that you can see starting to come out of this of this really hyper aestheticized world with really cartoonish over the top acting. But it. Backs away from that into something much more formulaic and boring.
2: Yeah, we need we need a Space Jam like revisited. To be honest, honestly, I would, I would take something Google as a Space Jam, as Space find Space Jam. the Space
1: Jam website. Space Jam's a bad movie, but like I, a, movie, but, like, I love a, it. it. What are you doing? It's a did? bad yeah, movie. It's great. Okay. how Make, could you, sir? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, okay. Just
0: because it's got an R Kelly soundtrack. No, the the <laughs> movie is hilarious. <laughs> um, <laughs> movie. It was one of my favorites as a little kid, and I always had fun. Little cartoon animals. Um, Bill Murray coming in. There was a lot going for it.
1: Well, moving that moving aside, on, that aside, moving on. So, <laughs> that Detective Pikachu—you know, Space Jam—that kind of thing—at least, you know—had some charm in its um, in its it, it, not caring about presenting a in any way realistic vision. <laughs> and Detective Pikachu uh, would be more fun if it embraced that side of itself more. But it seems to back away and feel ashamed. It's just a very, very safe kids movie. At the end of the day,
0: Oh, kids. B A G. Okay, so that was Detective Pikachu not starring Danny DeVito, which is in cinemas now. The last thing we are talking about, it is a full-on spoilers discussion, you have been warned, uh, is Game of Thrones Season 8 Episode 5 The Bells, which aired on Monday. It is the penultimate episode of the entire series. It is probably the most divisive episode of the entire series, certainly in this room. The... Season 7 and a lot of the season has received legitimate criticism for jumping a jumping between uh, times and places and having no spatial awareness of the world of Westeros. But more significantly, um, the characters passing around the idiot ball and doing stupid things out of their characterization to advance the plot. But you know what? And I've written about this uh, two of the last episodes, uh, episode 4 and episode 3, really frustrating in that regard. Um, particularly when Daenerys just decides to not attack from the rear um, and destroy the uh, Iron Fleet as she did in this episode and not um, send a scout ahead to see if the best navy in the world would be purchased, waiting for her, and then sending a small contingent to meet someone who's been waiting to kill her for many, many years. But you know what? This episode was great. Characters did things which they were set up to do, they were consistent with their characterizations. Stop, and stop you know what? Lying, no, man. no, you people just liked aren't it because happy. people died, finally. No, I don't like seeing people die. And you know what? On that point, the Kagaian Bowl, so overhyped, so massive, so over the top, should not have been that ridiculous. It felt like the final... I'm going to use this analogy again I did in the endgame. It felt like the final level in Ocarina of Time. We're just going up and up and up and up and up. God. uh, So that was... I cannot recommend the episode for that. But for... I know people didn't like what the characters did. But the fact is, when characters followed through on what they were... On what they've been set up to do for seasons, and that was good to see for once in a while.
2: I, I don't know. I I really, really don't know. Because, look, they had a lot of time to foreshadow Daenerys' transition into what she does end up becoming, and everyone's saying, oh, f- thank God, because everyone suspected she would turn into what she was expected to turn into anyway. But the fact is, it's like, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, it's just just she had just had because like she could have done this ages ago she doesn't need an army and this whole build up about i need to have an army to attack if she just had a dragon and burned people down she could have done this earlier she could have just been like okay cool i can just bring a dragon and just kill people i just don't need an army she could have just waited for seven seasons and then just brought a dragon with but her it's
0: just... too great hers is established the dragons are vulnerable as maraxis was vulnerable 300 years ago when uh aegon's sister stormed dawn and the dragon caught the arrow and the, uh, the spear in but, the eye
2: but the other part of the problem is that in not only in daenerys sense i think what this is troubling to see is that the writer seemed to suggest is that none of the characters can escape who they were. They all basically meet their end in decisively uninteresting ways because they basically can't escape their own prophecies. They can't change. Jamie can't change because he goes back and does this very okay. That was probably very stupid. And you know how they die with the bloody bricks falling on top of them was kind of but stupid.
0: Filled the prophecy where Jamie put his hands around her neck. I know, well. Yeah, it was in that. A, a hand. A hand. <laughs> yeah, it's <there's, laughs> actually a promotion well, I'm not sure if it was a piece of promotional material or actually from the show, yeah. but in it, uh, you, the, can see, the actor, you, can you can see, see apparently yeah, the hand. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. really badly done. Okay.
2: But, and that, and then Arya also. I mean, that was. Arya, I thing, agree on. Arya. Um, that agree was with very you. interesting there's because... No reason she would have turned around at that yeah, point. Yeah, exactly. You know, especially once you've established the fact that she's hellbent. I mean, she gave up sex to go on that mission, which is like kind of a big deal for Arya to, at that point. I mean, you know. And she's like, okay, she just had, like, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna have, like, before death, I'm gonna experience sex. And then, and she's like, cool, I'm gonna now walk away. Same with Jamie. So I'm just like, those parallels were kind of interesting to see that she'd basically turned into Jamie at that point. Be like, nope, I, I, I'm not redeeming myself. I, I have better things to do. I can have a better life, but nope, I gotta fulfill my mission, which is kind of stupid to begin with. So, yes, Daenerys, maybe you can have a thing that they had foreshadowed a lot of that, but for the other characters, I did appreciate, though, Tyrion and Jaime's very touching send-off. Yeah, they've always been that very was, close. That was actually very well done and probably thankful because that's the only time this season where I felt Tyrion had something to do. So thank you for the writers who are actually giving him something to do rather than just drinking wine and feeling sorry for himself.
0: Okay. Um, this is why Okay, this is why so much of what people are saying about this episode of Game of Thrones is just completely just off the chart and I, I, don't, I don't understand it. Okay. Daenerys, <laughs> okay. it's not a transition. Just had transitioned to a new character. She and everyone else in the show, are, 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 are all the main players, are terrible people Drunk on power, who are rich and or powerful, who think they have the right to rule by birth. She are you had... describing the
2: Liberal Party? Because I feel uh, like you're describing uh, the Liberal uh, Party. Uh, but... sh-
0: sh- <laughs> zinger! <laughs> Elections week, make sure you vote to get your democracy sausage. No, Daenerys has always been a terrible person. Uh, people describe her as benevolent. Yes, she freed the slaves. She also crucified, crucified all the slave masters. Yes, it's a big deal. In the first season, when she didn't mind the Thraki doing this and that, except though she wanted to save some of the civilians, fine. And that changed when in the Battle of the Caravans. It changed when they stormed King's Landing. It changed when they stormed um not Marine Marine um later in the show. She has always shown a lack of disregard with civilians. She has shown as she was very warned, as she showed with fairies, as she showed with um Sam's father and brother. Um, Randall and Dickon yeah, entirely that yeah. yeah, that she is not benevolent, she is bent on revenge and will and sees her view of justice as burning to a curse anyone who opposes her. And she was has always been prepared, as was foreshadowed very strongly throughout the entire series, to level a city like King's Landing and level Karth as she threatened the second season. She may yet go back and do that if she may but th- what she did, not at all terrible. Um, I, I'm, the, the, I'm not but not inconsistent not ter- with her character yeah, yeah, but the best that... thing about the thing about Daenerys is people describing her as an and, and this is the best description she's an anti-villain she's not an here. She's an anti-villain people don't want it to be a villain um, I think it was just from Variety but she is and that is what is interesting about her to Jamie. let's talk about Jamie, my favourite character in the, in, and the most interesting yeah, character yeah, in this whole universe people wanted Jamie to be good and certainly his transition to this has been very strong and he did change as a character throughout the whole series Jamie, when he rode north, wasn't abandoning Cersei. He was fulfilling a promise. When that promise was fulfilled, he fulfilled an oath. And when all the oaths he had taken, whether to protect the Stark Sisters or to fight for the living, were fulfilled, he went back. And people didn't want him to do that, but it's not a consistent with anything he's done. Why? I mean, why he was she-
2: Jamie. He's not Jon Snow that he can't break his promise. I he, mean, that is the he, point, he right? He, I mean,
0: he did break his promise. He didn't break his promise. I know, him.
2: but like you are asking him to uphold his sort of you know old say a promise as if he's some kind of you know Jon Snow character
0: yes, where he it, changed.
2: No, I mean he's Jamie. He's like, look, now I found something genuine happiness, and I found a better path. Now, you can, what yeah, do you found
0: genuine happiness? He liked Brienne, but he loved Cersei. There's there's, 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 there's nothing that's
2: changed. been established to beyond that point that you know he would want to go back to Cersei in that sense, or that he feels that I can't change, except after that scene in this in this season where he suddenly is like hang on by the way Hang on a second, Brienne. I know I've just slept with you, but by the way, I'm still a bad person because I feel like that, and my insecurities are taking the best of me. So I got to go back to Cersei because I feel like I haven't reformed really.
0: It's not about reform. It's that he's been with this person his entire life. Yes, he's a bad person, and people wanted to be a good person. He became a better person. He didn't become an all-round good person. I know, I know. And I'm people not, wanted that to happen, but the fact that it didn't is not inconsistent with his character. And yes, it is tragic. It's a bitter pill that the show needed to deliver I'm, 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 and hasn't I'm, delivered in its past few seasons.
2: Not, I'm not saying that it's inconsistent. I'm just Saying it's kind of pointless to establish that all of these characters somehow fall prey to their fatal flaws—that they can't overcome any of their.
0: But that's what so, happens. That's what happened to the series the entire time. Robin Catelyn when they died in the third season was because of their fatal flaws. I know,
2: but that—that's kind of pointless. Where to suggest that? I don't know. It's just maybe it's just too fucking bleak. You know, it
0: can be bleak. Yes, a, a world with poverty and where rule, and and no democracy is very, and and this universe is very bleak, where there's still, where lords... And that is why, guys,
2: you should go and vote and get your democracy sausage so that this world doesn't turn into Game of
0: Thrones. Okay, well, yes, yes. Medieval um, fantasy world is bleak. Newsflash. Yes, of course it
2: is. That is true. But also, it it just felt as if, when you're talking about genuine character development and genuine character arcs, that you do give the promise and note make the audience feel cheated as if each and every character is going to be like the hound and the mountain you know that could have been handled differently even though I feel that was one of the better kind of concluding arcs of the film where you know it kind of delivered what it promised but still uh, and Arya for example her kind of heel turn was some of the things where I felt the heel turn moments came came just because that blow wasn't delivered in the previous hyped up episode of you know the the battle for winterfell where a lot of people were expecting that a lot of people would die in that and then the writers were like haha fooled you we're not gonna kill in this one but we're gonna kill a lot of people in this other episode by the way so i felt that was kind of insincere uh because i feel that made a lot more sense that a lot of those people would die because they were doing that they were kind of building up to the anticipation that we are this is our final night, and a lot of the season building up towards this kind of climactic moment where people had said their goodbyes. They'd made their emotional peace with that. And then to take that away and then deliver this kind of whacking side-trucking moment. I know, but it wasn't good as... I know, but it's not even an emotional wrecking ball that I can justify. It just felt like a cheated thing of like, where the writers felt like, hang on, I know a lot of people are expecting people to die in this episode, but we're deliberately not going to kill any of the main characters, but we're going to kill them senselessly in this other episode which had makes no sense altogether okay.
0: We've talked about Slaughterhouse rules and the problems with the Battle of the Long Night slash yeah. the Battle of the Winterfell. That I agree with. That has been covered. I don't agree with this idea of us being cheated, that there's going to be a fait accompli ending. Certainly, in most of the circumstances, if these endings are eventuated, people, including myself, might be, to an extent, screaming fan service, which would be a much bigger crime. We're not owed anything regarding any of these characters. Um, the arcs they go on, people expected, sure, but they pulled the wool over our eyes, which they did with Daenerys, which did with Jamie. They wanted us... They, we all wanted this to happen... For them, and it and it didn't, and that is a conclusion. That is a sad conclusion. That is a, but still an endearing conclusion. And if Jamie had get some, an endearing <laughs> conclusion, if if, if, if <laughs> Jamie had just gone off on a boat with Cersei and set up in a house somewhere, would everyone have been happy? Yeah, of course. Okay, great. But, but TV isn't about <laughs> making people happy. The no, Red, oh Red was about making people happy. It's a drama. You were saying that TV isn't about making people no, happy. No, no, okay, you were no, no, no. saying that. You can that. be happy. But, and and I, I, I take this line from Chris. Yes, we need <laughs> – sometimes you need a bit of pill. Sometimes you do. And Game of Thrones... And people have been angry that... With Slaughterhouse Rules that no one died. And again, it's not about people dying. It's about reading a satisfying arc to their stories. This happened for once. It hasn't happened so far with Arya. That was very confusing. Uh, with Jamie I feel it did. We haven't spoken about Cersei, interestingly. Yes. We um, sure, we sure. Cersei, uh, it's... She... When everything had gone from her life... When her family had gone... When the children that she loved most had gone... It was just Jamie. She fell; they fell into each other's arms. What is wrong with that? There's There's, nothing. I'm not saying
2: there's anything wrong with that, but also Lena Headey had nothing to do in this entire season except you know stand and look furiously down upon people and drink wine. She had no characterization in this entire season, and then she just died. So I kind of felt. I'm just not saying that the concluding arcs are somehow making me feel cheated. It just felt like I just didn't get to see. How they reached that point before everything just kind of died, you know, fell into a heap.
0: I, I feel it's been enough to establish that Jamie and Nares are both terrible people who try to be good and fail at that.
2: And Danny is a terrible person and
0: kind of okay with a- and that you, anyway. And, the, but, the, and, <laughs> you, and it, let's just remember these are people who are willing to. Kill, as Jamie said at River Run, as Jamie killed his own cousin, countless innocent people to, to fulfill their own whims. The needs of the many are outweighed by these whim, the whims of these individuals. And it's not just them. Remember John and Sansa at the Battle of the Bastards when someone asked John how many people died to get Winterfell back for the stocks? He just says, oh, I don't know, thousands. They're all terrible people. And they try to have redeeming qualities, they try to aspire. And sometimes they do. And sometimes they don't, and that is what. And if they all did, or if they, it would just be absurd, fancy in the worst possible way, ridiculous television.
2: You know what just hit me? I just had an epiphany, Glenn. That you quoting Chris that. Sometimes you need a bit of pill and TV. Just made you sound like the biggest David Lynch fanboy who loves, you know, Fire Walk with Me or something. Dark, dark endings and yeah, strange times. I know. And like Kyle McLaughlin 2.0. Thank you Sometimes for plus. thank
1: you for finding a way to mention <laughs> David Lynch for me. Let's hope for Terrence Malick as a late addition <laughs> uh, to the Sydney Film Festival this year. I actually year. would love that. Um, I'm, we, yeah. should, we should Wait, all
0: go. What? Uh, his film looks <laughs> exciting, well, his, his film and, it, and there's
1: very good advance bars about his film at Cannes. It could be a late addition. I've never seen a Razorhead, so I am excited for. Oh, that, yes, that, you the all nights for at eleven. It. I'm in the present. Yeah, I'm. I th- I'm considering it. I think I will do it. Yeah, that's mad. Can you, can the next you, day is going to be a off. Can you bo- off. book
2: that on a on, a, on a <laughs> pass?
0: No, you can't. No, it's, it's a fifty dollars straight $50 for straight, all yeah. four films. Oh, uh, but look, it's it's I'm I'm pretty keen for that. I comes straight off a couple of the horror flicks at Dendi Newtown. Sometimes yeah. I'm in Fabric selling out.
2: Yeah, in Fabric, it looks great. Uh, I liked uh, Burgundy. In Bur- uh, the Duke of Burgundy, Duke of Burgundy, which was Peter Strickland's last one. Peter strickland.
0: Uh, was peter, wasn't peter strickland the character in um game of thrones the commander of the army honestly yeah, wasn't
1: yeah, it i think so I yeah think I, so. I think he's so. right. also the director of Catalan Varga and barbarian sound studio uh, and was Burgundy. okay barbarian sound studio was all right yeah yeah it wasn't great so, he's hidden miss i find i find him hidden miss in general i'm hoping he's in fabric it's all about style
0: so, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, so book your tickets to the Sydney Film Festival. They sell out. Game um, of find us there. Game of Thrones <laughs> is screening now. The next, the final episode is screening Monday, right after the election. And go vote. And right after Eurovision, go vote. Derek um, <laughs> Pikachu is in cinemas now. John Wick 3 is in cinemas tomorrow. Yes. Yes. Have a wonderful night. Enjoy Eurovision. Enjoy. By the time this goes to air, the first final will have happened. But go Kate Miller, Hyde, Kay, and um, just... You know, Moldova Estonia bring it like you do every year <laughs> have there's not a lot of Eurovision fans here <laughs> well it's the best it's, it's, it's uh, the best. One,
2: one of my friends is actually covering Eurovision live so uh she's over there right now so uh Hey, nice. shout out to Shami, who's there right now covering Eurovision oh, from SBS. I, uh, but yeah, I'm very jealous, television. very jealous of that, even though I don't really care about Eurovision, but I'm jealous that she gets to go and cover it live. But, my, so.
0: my friends in Tel Aviv, actually quite a few friends in Tel Aviv right now, and I'm seeing the pictures and oh my God, it just looks spectacular. It's, it's the best yeah. place. It's, it's, it'd be so much fun there on the beach.
2: Yeah, it, it kind of feels like it's just spectacular, but better. That's how I, I, I I'd will. love
0: to see JCS live. Um, the 20th anniversary concert is, spectac- is really good. We're getting all <laughs> sidetracked. Have a wonderful night. Enjoy movies. Enjoy Eurovision. Enjoy ben- life. Enjoy life. Because
1: that's what it's all about, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Before it's yes. all
2: Game of Thrones and all lives come to an end, to a disappointing end, and before yep. we all die in a heap of misery and sorrow.
0: On that note, good night. Bye.
2: Good night.